asked the churches we visited, they never found out I was a preacher, all right? I came in shirt all tore up and <laughs> holes in my pants and barefoot and but um not really but uh that is that is somewhat of a goal of mine when I go to visit because um we have visited a church this was the one in Crow Agency Montana any of you ever been to Crow Agency nobody all right well, it kind of tells you that it's on the Indian Reservation near Custer's Battlefield. That's the one where they had our boys take the offering. Well, they found out I was a preacher, so they had me teach the Sunday school class, okay? So uh, <laughs> um, so that's kind of the, the mentality behind that, okay? I'm not ashamed that I'm a preacher. Sometimes I am. Um, Sometimes I'm just ashamed of myself, all right? But um, it is always, I encourage you when you're on vacation to find a church and visit. It's, it's always a, a learning experience, and I, I think that is excellent. John 14, we are wrapping up our study on heaven. And Jesus said in John 14, Don't let your heart be troubled. If you believe in God, believe also in me. And then he immediately shifts to talk about heaven. And and you might say, okay, it's one thing to say, don't be troubled. But then it's all these things around here. And in us that troubles us. I mean, and so we say, okay, don't be troubled. What do you want me to do about it? And he says, think about heaven. And we might say, oh, come on, that's an escapist plan. You know, you got to face reality. You got to deal with this life. And, and really... When you get in and look at it, why heaven? Why did Jesus say, don't let your heart be troubled? And, and he mentioned to them, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I am coming again to receive you to me. And so will we ever be with the Lord. And when, when you understand what he was doing and the truth of heaven you really see how it's not an escapist route. It's not naive thinking that, oh, I'm just going to ignore everything here. It is really the reality of heaven being real in our lives will help our hearts in this world to not be filled with anxiety and trouble. I mean... I'm sure you're like everyone else of us, that the things of life can be very troubling. And, and the current conditions of not only our country, but our world can be very, very troubling. So 
we are called as Christians to not live like the world, not be troubled like the world, not look for answers like the world. And really, the reality of heaven is a key to us being different than the world, to us responding differently than the world does. So why did Jesus go into this discussion here about heaven, the place he's preparing, that he's coming again and telling us how to get there? I believe there's a number of reasons, and we want to just touch on some of those. It is important for us to realize that heaven brings complete restoration. We've gone over many, many times creation and the wonderful creation. Everything God created was good. But then the fall of man into sin and and the fall of man into sin and the curse that came and and the the ramifications of that in our personal lives and in our world we still live with today but thankfully there's the redemption Jesus Christ sent his own son to pay the penalty for our sin so we could be restored to fellowship with God like the original fellowship in the Garden of Eden. But we're still living in a fallen world. We're still um, dealing with that, even though we're children of God. But thankfully, because of heaven, there will come a full restoration. We rejoice that we have fellowship with God. But our fellowship isn't pure and apart from sin. We are still living in our bodies. We're still battling the flesh. Someday we will be restored and our worship of God will be 100% pure. It will be without any distractions. It will be complete restoration. Not only that, He is going to restore the earth to its original design. God isn't just throwing out His plan and purpose. It is is with joy that we realize one day the curse of sin will be reversed. One day both we and the universe will be forever set free. Man, that, that thought alone to me is is just incredible. There will be full and complete restoration. So, yes, we're living in this world, and he says, let not your heart be troubled. He says, think about heaven, and there will be complete restoration. Secondly, the reality of heaven gives peace. Look at John 14 and verse 27. He goes on and he says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Ye have heard how I said unto you, I go away and come again unto you. If ye loved me, ye would rejoice, because I said, I go unto my Father, for my Father is greater than I. Now you notice what he said, my peace I give unto you. 
I told you I'm going away, Jesus said. I'm going to the Father, and I will come back to you. And he said, this should give you peace. This should, in the midst of this world, with everything wrong, give us peace to know there will be complete restoration. And rather than getting bent out of shape to the point of about things that we can do nothing about, to the point that we... cannot really function, he says, we ought to have a peace that rules in us, a peace that passes all understanding because we understand God is in control, God is at work, and God is preparing a place, and I can look forward to that. So as followers of Christ, we should be known by the peace that we have And heaven, the promise of heaven, should play a very important part in that. Turn with me, if you would, to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. You may be familiar with this passage as reference to the coming of the Lord in the rapture. But you notice what he says in verse 13. 1 Thessalonians 4.13 But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep or who have died, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain... Under the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord." Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. There come many difficult, sometimes shocking, sometimes hard to understand departures from this life. And, and every one of us have and will experience loved ones leaving this life. And he says, I want you to remember this fact, that I am coming again, and I'm going to take those who have died in the faith, catch them up to be with the Lord, and if he comes while we're still alive, we'll be caught up to meet him in the air. And he says, so, I understand you have lost loved ones, he's saying. I understand, but don't sorrow as those that have no hope. There is great comfort in realizing by faith in Jesus Christ, we can have a great reunion together. And he says this provides great comfort. It provides the reality that this is not, we haven't, um, we've many fellow members here that have gone before us, but it's comforting to know that 
that we'll see him again by faith in Christ. And so that, the doctrine of heaven, the thinking on heaven, provides us great comfort. And he specifically says, take great comfort to yourself because of this truth, that we can look forward to that. So it provides great, great comfort. Turn to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. And notice verses 19 and we'll read a few verses after that. Matthew chapter 6:19. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So in this passage, Jesus tells us to store up for ourselves treasures in heaven. Again, so he's calling us back to heaven. Christ is telling us that it is vain to lay up treasures in earth. Why? Because no matter what the treasure is, it is temporary in this earth. I don't care if it's gold or silver. I don't care what it is. It's temporary. I, um, you know, you, if you've lived in this area long enough, you've, you've seen homes go up, really nice homes. And if you're around long enough, you see the home deteriorate, and some of them, then you see them bulldoze down and a lot cleaned, and that's a message to us. Things in this life are temporary. I think I've shared before, but it's been such a vivid picture to me that <clears throat> you, you'll see semi-trucks, flatbeds, loaded with with cars flattened about this height, okay? It's a smash car, and they stack them on top of each other, and they're hauling them to the salvage yard. And the first time I saw that, I thought, some of those cars were the pride and joy of someone. They bought a brand-new car, a brand-new pickup, and they're driving that home, and this is, wow, this is... And now look at it. It's smashed, completely smashed, and, and it's gone. Yeah, you say, but, but they had the joy. And yeah, there is joy. But you know what? I've never bought one vehicle that got better. They call it depreciation, right? And, I've, and that's a, an image to us. Moth and rust corrupt and thieves break through and steal. So he said, lay up treasures in heaven. And thinking about heaven should reset our priorities. It helps us see what really matters. What does it profit a man, we read in Matthew 16, if he gains the whole world but loses his own soul? Jim Elliott, who gave his life as a martyr 
in Ecuador with the Aka Indians said, He is no fool who gives that which he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. It's not just your life. It's your time. You can't keep your time. But if you give your time and invest it for that which is in heaven, which you cannot lose, you're not a fool. If you give your resources to lay up treasures in heaven, you're not a fool. If you invest wisely of your life, not living, as our study said, not living for the dot of this life, and really, to properly convey it, it's, it'd be more like a, a pin poke. Not living for the head of a needle, the sharp point, that's how small this life is, but living for the line, living for eternity. And it ought to reset. The reality of heaven should reset our priorities. The things, <clears throat> understanding the things that, that don't, really, don't really matter. I mean, we have an old golf cart at home and the grandkids come and ride it. And, and they've hit my car with it. They've hit my truck with it. And you know what? It's done. It's an old golf cart. It's done more damage to my car and my truck than it has the golf cart. But you know what? God started teaching me years ago. I'm just glad no kids have been hurt with it. And my relationship with my grandkid is more than important to me than my relationship with my car or truck. I kind of see vehicles as a necessary evil, you know what I mean? I mean, you think of all the maintenance and insurance and any rate, but it's a reminder to me, that car is a piece of junk. It is. I don't care how much chrome you put on your truck or motorcycle or car, it's still not going with you. And the reality of heaven ought to make us say, you know what? There's not a whole lot here that matters. I read a quote. I, it says, you cannot overestimate the unimportance of just about everything. I like that quote. The things that matter, matter. But the majority of things in our life will not matter in eternity. And when we think about heaven and heaven becomes a reality, it will reset our priorities, not only in that sense, but in this sense. I want to tell others about heaven. Not just not laying up treasures on earth, but then it ought to come to us to say, man, heaven is so wonderful I, I want others to go there. I want these people to be there. I, it will reset our priorities rather than just living for this life. I mean, any, anything that we do, and, and I understand we ought to be wise caretakers of what God has given us and entrusted, 
But understand the reality of what really matters and what doesn't matter. The souls of mankind matter. The souls of the people that are in your life matter. And when heaven is a reality to us, it will reset our priorities across the board and we will be burdened for their souls. It resets our priorities. It also gives great hope. I mean, honestly, we started this the service today by singing, My Hope is in the Lord. Where are you going to look for hope if your hope isn't in the Lord? The last 18 months have pretty well shot any hope that you can have in anything besides God. And that's some of God's purpose for allowing all these things. But but to understand the reality of heaven gives hope because the best is yet to come. So, in, in hard times and difficult times, we can be encouraged by saying, but someday the best is yet to come. But thankfully, God has given us in this life some great times too. Some wonderful times of joy and, and some great memories. But even in that, we can say, wow, heaven is going to be even better than this. Wow, this comes to an end. Marilyn loves swimming, but last summer, last summer it came to her, you can't stay in the pool forever. She says that a lot. You, you got to get out. You, gotta, you can't stay in the pool forever. The best that we can get in this life comes to an end. But in heaven, the joys never come to an end. She'll never get out of the pool in heaven, all right? I mean, so in, in dark days, the best is yet to come. In the best days, we still can say the best is yet to come. And that gives us hope. It gives us hope because we live in a world that there are many, many wrongs. Things are just not right. To me, I grieve the burdens that, that come upon people, and, and it's not right. There's no way, and in many cases, there's, there's very little that you can do about it. But it gives us hope someday God's going to make all things right. Someday God's going to bring justice. And, and in this world alone, there isn't justice. There are, there are people that seem to advance, and it was in spite of themselves. And there are others that worked diligently and, and, and were faithful and had integrity, and it's just always been a struggle. There are people that have been betrayed and slandered and lied about. Someday, God's going to make everything right. And that ought to give us great hope. Someday God is going to deal to every man according to his works. Also, the reality of heaven helps us to realize that someday God is going to reward the diligent and the faithful. You've studied this week about the 
the parable of the talents. And those that took that which was little and used it diligently and faithfully, God will say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over that which is little. I will make you ruler over much. See, it doesn't matter if anybody notices your faithfulness, because God does. It doesn't matter if you ever get notoriety. It doesn't matter any of, of that in, in regard to human accolades. What matters is that we be faithful over what God has given us. And someday, because of heaven, someday He will reward those who are diligent and faithful. And he continually holds that before us. 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty eight. Be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Because you know that your labor is not in vain in Him. There's many times in this life it looks like your labor is in vain. You don't see fruit from it. And he says, just keep planting, keep watering, keep plowing. Your labor is not in vain. That gives us hope, and that makes us look forward to the rewards of the diligent and the faithful. Hebrews 6.10, again, he says over and over, God will not forget your faith and your labor of love. He will remember it. He's going to reward it. And I've often said there are going to be many, many surprises in heaven of people that are rewarded. I think of people that have been such a blessing from my life way back as a child. Uh, uh, widow ladies, their prayers, a spinster lady, never been married all her life. Just meager means, but used her life, invested it. I anticipate I'll be looking way up at her. She'll be way beyond me. Why? Faithful in that which is little. And God promises to reward the diligent and the faithful. But you must look at heaven for one last thing that I'll mention because it brings the conclusion to his story. It brings a conclusion to history. I mean, all of these things, he's going to make things right. He's promised things to Israel, and they haven't been fulfilled. But he's going to, he's going to write the last chapter, and it's going to bring a conclusion, creation, fall, redemption, restoration, and he's going to write the last chapter. It's not an open-ended thing. We look forward to that. And he's going to bring a glorious, glorious conclusion. So heaven is important for us to think on. And, and you think of the songs that we sing. How many times reference to heaven. You think as you read through the scriptures, the references to heaven. And I'm thankful for this study that we've been on because it's made us be more cognizant of heaven and, and not to neglect it and ignore it. But he says in John 14, there's only one way that we're going to get there. 
He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man can come unto the Father except through Jesus Christ. It grieves your heart when you see people think that some other way, Jesus Christ plus baptism, or Jesus Christ and good works, or this religion or that religion, it's not a religion. It is Jesus Christ. What have you done with Jesus Christ? You can't be neutral with Him. And, and it is either He is truth, I am a sinner deserving of God's wrath, and I can only plead the blood of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of my sin. And I call upon Him. That is the only way that we can have all the blessings of heaven that we just touched on briefly today. It is only through Jesus Christ. And as our world grows increasingly dark and perilous we need to be reminded of the hope that lies before us. I believe we need to think about the joys of heaven often. That it breathes hope into our daily lives. It gives joy in this journey of life that can become messy. And when we understand and look in the Scriptures, the early apostles we're always talking about the imminent, anytime return of the Lord and the glories of heaven. Paul, I'm pressing toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Heaven was a reality to him. And, and it counsels us in time of grief. It provides daily encouragement. It increases our our resolve to be faithful to the Lord, and it must be a prominent place in our thinking. It is important for us to focus on heaven to make us more effective on earth. And this isn't something to, to treat lightly. If you are not 100% sure that you have trusted Christ for the forgiveness of sin, and I mean, is there evidence in your life that you are a child of God? I think one of the most sad things in, in all of history will be people that thought they belonged to the Lord but didn't. There was no evidence in their life. The Spirit of God had been working, but no, 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 I'm good to go. No, if... If we have trusted Christ, there will be a change of heart. And when there is that change of heart, then we focus on heaven and allow it to reset our priorities, to establish our peace, to give us hope, to give us joy, and to rest in the promises of God. Heaven is a wonderful, wonderful place that should change how we live here. Heavenly Father, I pray that the reality of heaven would be made real in our daily lives, that, that what You've done in forgiving our sins 
and what we have to look forward to, that we would have a peace that passes all understanding, that we would have the blessed hope that the best is yet to come, and that we would have a great burden to share the truth that you alone are the way, the truth, and the life, that we would share that with others. And Lord, that we could see your Spirit work to bring others to the joy of having our home eternal in heaven. Lord, I pray that you would provide comfort through this truth to each one that's lost loved ones. Lord, that we would know personally your comfort. And I pray that our lives would be lived in such a manner that the reality of heaven would be seen through how we speak, how we act, what we do. And Lord, that we would lay up treasures in heaven and not on earth. We pray in Jesus' name with thanksgiving. Amen.